0: Hello and welcome to the Freight Fine Podcast, your source for all things freight transportation. I'm Chris Kaplis, Chief Scientist at DAT Freight and & Analytics, and today I'm joined by Alex Leslie, Research Analyst at the American Transportation Research Institute, or ATRI. Alex is the lead author on ATRI's latest research publication, Analysis of the Operational Cost of Trucking, a 2023 Update. ATRI has been publishing these very detailed reports on trucking costs for over 15 years now, and using detailed polling and data analysis, Alex is able to reveal not only the current average per mile costs, but also changes in the individual cost components, the impact of carrier size on these costs, and the underlying trends in trucking activities. In our conversation, we discuss the report in pretty much great detail, and we really focus on trying to determine where the floor is for truckload carrier costs, because this is something that all shippers, brokers, and carriers are trying to determine in this very, very soft market. Following my conversation with Alex, I'll be joined by Dr. Inamiu to discuss the truckload market update. So, let's get started. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the Freight Fine Podcast. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is uh, this is fun. So, my, my first question I've got to ask: How did a person with a PhD in English get into trucking? Because <laughs> I have a PhD, Mine, mine's more civil engineering and transportation. That, I
1: see some of those bleed over, but I think you are the first English uh, PhD in this industry. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of data science in my in my degree. So actually, what I specialized on in the world of English was uh, the the media supply chain, basically, at a time when really print was the media form. So I worked on stuff like newspaper economics, uh, how do magazines get shipped from point A to point B. So oddly really? enough, there is a, a surprising bit of crossover there. And it was really the research background and, and so forth that was practically applicable. But okay. you'd okay. be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That is, that is a surprise. So I didn't know where we we're going to go with
0: that. But I mainly have you on here because I want to talk about the analysis of the operational costs of trucking report that just came out earlier this summer. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about what ATRI is.
1: Yeah. ATRI, uh, we're the American Transportation Research Institute, and we're the not-for-profit research arm of the trucking industry. So uh, we have an advisory committee that has representatives from all over the industry, fleets of all sizes and sectors, but also uh, you know, representatives of insurers, uh, lawyers, uh, academics, law enforcement drivers, of course. So uh, they help us identify every year what the most important issues facing the industry are. And then we sort of set to work trying to figure out what we can do to sort of shed some light on that, which you know, can be anything from you know, operational costs that we'll talk about here today to labor issues or technology. Um, and the nice thing about Atri is that because we're a not-for-profit, Um, Because we don't do market research per se, we have this great independent position where we work with government, we work with industry, we work with academia, we're we're sort of welcomed and and in conversations and trusted by all of those groups at once. That makes sense. That makes sense. So if you had to classify the types of
0: members, uh, as far as carriers, is there one mode that dominates, um, whether it's truckload, LTL, size of carriers or is it, what, what is the
1: mix of those members look like? Well, you know, we really strive to, uh, reach out to fleets across, you know, across the full spectrum of the industry. Uh, I mean, just today I've been on, I've been on calls with refrigerated LTL truckload and specialized, uh, you know, just in the last couple hours today, even. So, um, we have, you know, participants in our data collection and also you know contributors and supporters uh really across the industry and, and we do that very intentionally what about private fleet are they also represented here or is it mainly only for higher fleet that depends on the research question at hand basically oh, okay. so we do have some of the private fleets represented in our research advisory committee uh, and sometimes we do go to them for data but for projects like our annual operational costs. We really just focus on four higher motor carriers. Okay. Well, let's talk about the report. Um, so, how long has you've been doing this, and how many of these have you done? Uh, we've been doing it for about fifteen years now, uh, and this was my uh, my third as a primary author. So, uh, it's uh, you know, it, it started because of a real need uh, that the industry, you know didn't have a good publicly accessible, you know, industry supported, you know, actually real world source of operational cost data, either for benchmarking or, or frankly, for anything else, for whether it's talking to bankers or shippers or, or whoever else that, that needs to understand what costs look like. Yeah. So 15 years, that's 2008, which was a pretty,
0: you know, benchmark year with the financial crisis. Yeah. Is that, did that spur that on or is that just coincidental?
1: You know, that would be coincident because I believe it was, oh, I believe it was spring of 07. Okay. When that would have been voted on by our committee. Yeah. Okay. And I I imagine it's
0: changed over time, but what about this one that you've done? What What is different this year compared
1: to the past? Is anything new? I imagine every year you do something a little different. What's new this year? Yeah, we're, we're always looking to expand it, of course. You know, in the last couple of years, especially, we've really tried to focus on adding in more uh, efficiency metrics. That's something that a lot of the motor carriers we speak to have been saying over the last couple of years. You know, hey, could you add this? Whether it's, uh, you know, this year we added miles between breakdowns, uh, percentage of maintenance at in house shops, a lot of metrics like that that are, again, that go beyond costs, but are so directly related to what that cost ends up being uh and I think that's really been I mean again a lot of the industry has has been focusing in these last few years on where those efficiencies are how to stretch that mile cost farther right right what what surprised you the most this year oh man
0: yeah <laughs> before I asked that this covered the data was collected in March of 23 for 2022. So this is essentially tail end of the
1: pandemic snapshot. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Yes. Okay. So 22 is an interesting year, right? Right. rates at the start of the year were still strong and they softened over the course of the year. Uh, costs went up significantly, uh, over the course of the year. Um, about 20, uh, 21% over, over the previous year. Uh, One of the big surprises, honestly, was was how much those costs did go up. I mean, we all knew inflation was was bad, Uh, but again, depending on the metric you use, right, annualized inflation for '22 was either you know between six and six and a half percent. So again, for for the cost of trucking to go up by several times that, right, uh, right, that shows that you've got some unique phenomena, some unique trends happening in the industry that are really exacerbating that. Well, let's
0: dive into those because that's that's what's really interesting because I think as a general rule, inflation obviously doesn't affect all items similarly, right? Some things deflated, some some things inflated, and some are moving in different directions like fuel. So what were the main drivers of this 21% year-over-year increase?
1: One of the biggest ones that we're seeing is the, the truck and trailer payment costs, which has really been a story that originated with the pandemic. Um, this year, uh, that is in 2022, we saw those costs go up by about 18.6% for the industry, which is a huge jump. And yeah, basically the sort of short version of the story that we're all somewhat familiar with is pandemic begins in 2020. A lot of initial uncertainty, then suddenly high demand uh, for freight movement it becomes hard for fleets to actually get their hands on new trucks. Right? Um, there are those issues with getting it up, chips, delays, and parts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so there's the huge price for new trucks because they're hard to get. The used market prices go way up as well, uh, and and so then. Sort of by the time you get to 21, the the cost for trucks and trailers did not go up very much at all. But that was just because it was very hard for fleets they to actually it. buy what they wanted right, to. Right. Finally, then, you know, that results in the average truck age going way up. Uh, in 2021, we saw that hit a, a record level. Um, it was getting close to, it was over five, I think it was 5.8 uh, years on average. And that then cycles around and causes repair and maintenance costs uh, to jump way up in 2021. So now in 22, finally, availability improves. And so all these fleets have these aging trucks that they need to replace. So suddenly now we, we basically were playing catch up in 2022 for the costs that, that didn't end up coming through in 21. Do you think that's
0: going to go back down? Because there's probably, what typically happens, capacity now is going to exceed what's needed because right now demand, as you know, in in 23 is way down compared to what it was in 22.
1: That to me is one of the biggest questions about costs going forward. We've seen prices on trucks and availability on trucks improve, but they're still at very high levels compared to before the pandemic. Demand is low so you know historically we would see fleets not adding extra capacity not purchasing new trucks yeah but at the same point fleets are still on the old side right placing trucks in 2022 did help that average truck age a bit but if fleets put it off as you know they likely would under normal circumstances here we're going to see that age creep back up which is then going to cause the repair and maintenance costs to jump again so To me, that's one of the big questions where I'm really waiting to see what rates continue to look like over the next quarter here, Uh, because if they they stay low, if they fall farther, I think we're going to see a lot of fleets putting off those purchases, which again, would make for lower truck and trailer costs, but higher repair and maintenance. And then obviously just prolong this cycle, this pandemic initiated cycle into yet another year. Right, right, yeah. We'll we'll talk about the connection between rates and costs
0: in a second. I, I want to start with the with the cost now because your whole report is all about costs. Yeah, the internal, not not the rates being charged or anything. That that's correct, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, what else, what other things drove it? So, you talk about maintenance
1: costs and trailer costs. What other drivers had the biggest jumps? Well, drivers themselves, driver wages. Yep. Uh, we saw a pretty big jump. Uh, about 15.5% in driver wages. We saw very little gain in driver benefits costs. And that often happens in uncertain economic years. We, We see fleets maybe try to maintain benefit spending close to what it was in the previous year while still Increasing wages to be competitive. Right. But again, wages themselves going up by a huge 15 and a half. And yeah. And again, that that outperformed the national average, certainly, uh for for wage increases. Did it did it compare? I mean, I'm looking at like comparisons to uh service other service
0: workers, because that's where yeah. a lot of the jumps were. Yeah. Kind of the pandemic reward, you know, doing continuing to work in tough conditions. Is it on the high end on on
1: labor? It is on the high end uh, on labor, right? So coming out of the pandemic uh, and during the pandemic, there's a lot of great research. Of course, I'm sure you've seen a lot of it on how the lower income wages, to begin with, had greater percentage growth. Yes, yes, than higher income wages did, sure. and, and so we had this really where a lot of you know and that includes truck drivers it includes a lot of service workers includes a lot of blue collar folks saw their wages increase at a disproportionate amount relative to the national average so uh certainly truck driver wages outperformed that national average but we uh, we see them high again even among uh you know even among similar labor groups got it and and part of that could be you know there are a few different factors involved there. One is, uh, you know, the four higher driver wage was also playing a little bit of catch up, I think behind the private fleet driver wage, which had jumped up a little bit ahead of the pandemic. So there are a couple other factors involved there too, that help augment that, but certainly a huge gain uh, for drivers. And even with the soft freight market, we're still, we're still adding new drivers right now. I mean, yeah, that hasn't dissipated. Well, do you? Let me ask about
0: wages. Do you think that's going to change? Do you think wages will go back? Can wages ever go
1: down? You know, I, I don't see it. Ha- I don't think it's happening anytime soon. If it if it does, I, I think a lot of the pressures that are still leading to higher wages, I think, are still present. The labor market is still competitive. Right and the trucking industry is still hiring drivers. Inflation has come down this year, which certainly relieves some of that pressure. Very welcome. Uh, and you know, in some sectors of the economy, the labor market isn't as strong. But right, those are mostly white collar jobs and, and a lot of entry level, frankly, white collar jobs. So. Yeah, yeah. So Chat GPT is not going to replace a truck driver anytime. <laughs> I don't see it coming soon anyhow. Yeah. Might replace our jobs, but you know, not not the truck driver. Well, no, see. I wouldn't count on that either, I think,
0: but uh <laughs> let me ask about benefits, because I, I think it to me it makes sense that benefits wouldn't rise as much because sure. benefits essentially are there to cover costs, whether it's health care, things like that. It is what else is included in, in benefits?
1: You know, that that just that really varies by by carrier, honestly. Um we have carriers who contribute data that uh, benefits is is just sort of healthcare, okay. Um, but that can vary. You know, there's certainly obviously the vision, dental. There's um, other things like employee ownership that fleets will count sometimes as benefits as well. So that varies a lot. There are a million and one different ways that drivers are compensated in this industry. <laughs> uh, but you've
0: got to monetize that. Yes. You, they, in the in the survey that you send out, they do they do uh, each respondent says this much in benefits, this much in salary. Right. The,
1: the summing of benefits occurs on the motor carrier end of this data Got collection. It. Yeah. All right. But some things, prices have gone down, right? So fuel is
0: the obvious one. Right. During this report, uh, when it was done in 22, I mean, fuel changed dramatically. I, I think it rose uh, almost a dollar a gallon. Did you ask them- to assume the price of gas on 31 december 2022
1: or did you make some assumption or did they just look over the course of the year yeah we ask them to sum their annual costs and 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 divide that by mileage now we do additional work on that we we track the highway diesel costs yeah, on a yeah, weekly yeah. level and so we you know we we do our own checks and, and that kind of thing too sure uh, but but for the purpose of this data we look at 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 it at an annualized rate and then yeah, you know, we break it down from there, I because ideally, really, for what we try to do with this report is we try to collect cost data at a broad level, so that then we can focus down analysis at uh, more precise levels of sector and and fleet size. Right. Uh, right. And so, you know, whenever <laughs> whenever you're working with data, you have to make that trade off of you know what where are we going to get our precision, where are we going to get our breadth. You know, how are we going to get the the volume that we want to ensure quality, and then what you know, what does that have to look like? Because we, you know, we don't just work with the large fleets. We have owner operators who are sending us their cost data too.
0: Yeah, so that I'll get to that in a second about the different size of the how that affects the carrier size, but also you have very different modes that operate, like LTL and truckload. Since deregulation, that's the market's bifurcating. They operate very differently very different costs. It seems from your data that you have, the the distribution of revenue seems to imply that you have more LTLs um, represented by revenue than truckloads. My guess is you have more truckload carriers, but if you looked at the total revenue that the LTL providers provided versus the truckload, is that a fair statement that it's a little skewed to LTL?
1: At the revenue level, I mean, the LTLs they just pull in so much revenue per mile that I mean, you know, right? I, when when we look at that data, they're they're pulling in uh, it's more than twice a per mile revenue rate as as what uh, you know as what a truckloader or even most specialized fleets are doing right. too. So, w- but we look at we look at each fleet. Uh, excuse me, we look at the major sectors separately, and then right. and then we weight them based on industry composition. Yeah. So those costs end up ending in, in one sort of final number, which we then we analyze them by sector two, of course. But yeah. And I, I like that you also
0: do it by mile, but then you also turn it to hours. Right. And so I think it came out to about ninety bucks and change an hour. Okay. Um, did you see this? I don't know if I I noticed this. Did
1: you does that differ dramatically LTL and truckload? So when we calculate by hour, we use a we use a standard conversion based on our GPS data. Atri has um a huge truck GPS database that we use for calculating uh average speed on a year to year basis basically. okay and so we use that for the calculation uh, the conversion that is uh into hourly or or per mile costs okay uh, as a way of again because different fleets calculate their costs in very different ways and so right right we try to accommodate whatever they have and then try to make that translation on our end.
0: Yeah. And so the carrier size, what, because obviously the large carriers, the night swifts, the hunts are going to have very different cost structures than an owner operator. Can you talk a little bit about what are the major differences The what carrier size, what that influences?
1: Yeah. So you have classic economies of scale for a number of, a number of cost centers that is usually truck trailer payments. Uh, larger fleets are able to pay less per mile on those. Right. Uh, fuel, of course, is the same story. Repair and maintenance, usually a similar story, but that's also tied to the percentage of maintenance that's done in-house. Uh, fleets that that handle maintenance in-house and a greater share do tend to have lower costs. In and, and some of those curves... Do get a little bit different in the middle. So owner operators yeah. sometimes will have much lower costs in some areas, like truck payments, than the sort of mid-sized fleets that are maybe you know twenty-five to a hundred trucks. Which that bracket really is is probably the costliest
0: single what, what, fleet. What size bracket
1: market. was that? What was the size? Uh, twenty-five to a hundred. Twenty-five to a hundred. Because
0: um, recently I, I talked to Seth. Uh, Clevenger from Transport Topics, and asked them the the Transport Topics Top 100 list came out, and what's interesting is, with consolidation, the big guys are getting bigger, but the tail's not going away, and so it seems like during the pandemic, the most growth looking at FMCSA data in carrier authorizations were at the low end, and then the high end, and the middle kind of dropped, and so talking with Steph, the question is, is the market? hollowing out. I, I think uh, and maybe you have a different opinion on this, the truckload market with the 200,000 plus carriers out there. I don't think will ever consolidate. You know, I don't see them going. It's too easy, the barriers to entry, barriers to exit are just so mm-hmm. low and all that. Right. And all those arguments. But the question is, will the middle go away because they are at a disadvantage. They don't have the flexibility of the owner operators,
1: they don't have the scale of the big guys. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? That, that's a question I often wonder about, too. And again, largely from this perspective of, you know, in a number of cost centers, they are the ones that pay the most per mile. And, you know, there, there are still benefits that they can offer, right? You know, especially depending on where fleet of, the, of that size is operating, uh, you know, local, you know, sort of local or state or, or maybe sub-regional coverage. They can begin to offer some of that level of coverage and service that larger carriers can while still having that kind of local, you know, local trust, local knowledge that, that a small, you know, that a small fleet traditionally brings to the table. But, but certainly in a high cost environment like this, those fleets are, are feeling a lot of pressure. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That, that
0: ties in. Um, let's move on to the connection or maybe the disconnection between rates and costs. Here at DAT, We've been monitoring uh, rates for, gosh, 30 plus, 40 years, Um, looking at and trying to understand what drives rates and what the price chart is, whether a broker is paying that or a carrier or a shipper, rather, and trying to understand what drives those. Because for truckload trucking, rates and costs are not that far. It's really almost a cost plus business. So focusing on the cost helps and gives you a lot of insights to what the rates are. What are your thoughts about that, about the difference between the rates being charged by the
1: carrier and their costs? It's it's an interesting question because, right, of course, it's a sort of chicken or the egg question because you know the thing that we always tell carriers is you have to know your costs because if you right. don't know your costs, especially in a soft freight market like this, you don't know what rates you can accept, right? And, and you know... That, that then, in a way, the cost needs to come first in that kind of consideration, or otherwise you could get stuck with a rate that won't that won't work at the end of the day. It's also a, a matter of what the data is that's available to, you know, it's rate data. And maybe this is a grass is greener situation. Rate data is kind of easier in a way. There's a high volume of it, right? And, yeah, and a high level of resolution you know, like time frequency precision, uh, where even, even working within a single company, you can get a good number of data points on a lane by lane basis, but, but cost data, you're maybe about to disagree with me.
0: No, no, no. I, <laughs> I agree hundred percent rates. And the other thing is it's more available now than it's ever been. Right. Well, uh, you know, because the, I was talking with someone else a couple of weeks ago, the amount of technology that an owner-operator has at their fingertips is of the level that a top-tier driver, a large company, had just five years ago. Yeah. Right? There's not, really no not much technological advancement to scale anymore. Right. Uh, different. Everything on your smartphone, more or less. Um, so that, and then having such availability. I remember talking to the, the president yeah. of uh, OIDA, the Owner-Operators Independent Drivers Association, and he was describing he was a trucker in the seventies, and describing what they had to do when they go went to a new city. They'd have to stop at a truck stop to look at a map Darf. and ask, "Hey, where? How do I get to this place?" It's the the industry technology has transformed the industry from the driver perspective. I think utterly different world. Yeah, but but to rates, because um, one, one of the things I, I agree with you 100. percent Costs are harder to get at because they're not published. I mean, you
1: don't you have to see a rate because someone has to pay that. Right. And so but even when they are, I mean even you know we we obviously see a lot of costs here at Atri, but right, right? Even then a lot of costs are maybe once per year, right? Like you right. you negotiate your insurance premiums, you know, on an annualized basis, say. Other costs are maybe fits and starts or or you only really see them when they're averaged out, something like, you know, repair costs over a longer period of time. So you don't have that, uh, you know, you don't have that resolution or, or, or- They're not all, yeah, they're not all transactional. So the thing exactly.
0: about truckload rate, they're transactional. Now, if we talk about dedicated, that's a little different, mm-hmm. right? Dedicated, you might have a, a fixed and a variable cost component to that and other things. That's why it gets, it's harder to figure out what are you paying for dedicated mm-hmm. because it's not a one for one anymore. Right. The other thing for cost that's interesting is, um, all the costs that you do, you, you don't do one certain type of cost and that's the balancing costs, the empty miles, right? Because that's, that's a cost. And so I guess to your point, what your data says is, you know, you're going to pay that whether you're loaded or not, right? right? That's what you're looking at. So how would you
1: incorporate the idea of empty miles into your cost structure? Yeah. I, I mean, you can. You can basically, you know, pencil that one out where we do track deadhead mileage, of course. This year it was at uh, a 15.4%, right? So uh, for every 100 miles that you're running, 15.4 on average are empty miles. So you factor that cost, basically, you just take that and put it back in on the per mile level, which is to say for every 100 miles of cost per mile, only 84.6 of those miles actually bear that. right, Bear that out. Right. So you know, like uh, I was doing a little bit of back-of- the envelope calculation here before I got on, and, and that, you know, if you take out fuel, um, last year our total cost per mile was two dollars and25.1 cents. Fuel was 64.1 cents of that, so that the cost per mile was $.61 uh, without fuel. Without fuel, that's yeah. right. And then if you add in the deadhead mileage to that, if you add in those extra miles, those costs, right back in, that gets you to, uh, you know, that's another, oh, 20, 25, uh, 20, you know, it's a little 22 cents, something like 21 cents. And that
0: varies. And what, because what you're getting at is something really interesting that we're I want to talk about next is the floor. Um, right, because a lot of shippers try, we've seen the rates drop tremendously, especially spot rates. The spot Yo. market is the market of desperate carriers right now and it's dropped dramatically. But the question is how far can it go? Um, there- and we know that these costs, everything you publish is an average. And so right. it's not evenly distributed, but whatever, assume that it kind of is. Um, then half the carriers are above that half or below that. Mm-hmm. So how would you go about trying to figure out that floor? Or
1: is it kind of that back of the envelope that you just described? Well, so if we, if we start from that, so we've got a dollar 61 without fuel, right? Uh, and then we can try to estimate a little bit about how costs have changed in 23. Uh, yeah, don't, don't cite me on my crystal ball, uh, here, but we we've seen, I, I mean, so there's a couple of tires, tolls, special licenses, Let's, we can just assume those are flat, say. Okay. Let's say benefits stay flat for the same reason we, we just discussed. On economic times, carriers will put that into wages instead of benefits. The latest repair and maintenance data I've seen, TMC and Decisive do some great quarterly work on that, mm-hmm. has, has repair and maintenance costs moderating a lot actually right now. So I think they headed at about 1% for Q1. So if we assume that goes up by... 5% on the year that's something okay. like 1 cent added. Insurance again some Q1 numbers make it look like that's going to be going up by higher rates now. I sort of looked that on let's, let's say that goes up by half a cent. It's about okay. 6% increase. Wages is an interesting one. We'll really have a better idea on this when the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out their numbers in about another month. Okay. this quarter, but if we say In 2021, wages went up by 10%. Um, Let's say they don't quite do that in 23. Let's say it still goes up by a lot, but not that high. 8% would be about $0.06 per mile. So if I add those together and then assume... Okay, here's another tricky assumption. Truck trailer costs. Yeah, yeah. That may, like I said, may be one of the biggest uncertainties. We rarely see that number go down. It did go down... In 2019, which is I a know. year that rates are getting compared to a lot right now, let's just say that those stay flat in 2023 because carriers aren't making as many new purchases. If I add that up, that gets me to dollar 68 per mile. Did you correct for uh, empty miles? Did you? Like, and then if by I 20? add in the empty miles, so it's just so like gets us up to a dollar 98 nine. So you you assume what 15 percent? Yep. That might increase
0: a little bit in a soft market, people will drive further. So it might increase, but no no big deal. It
1: won't doesn't do too much. So you get yep. about a buck ninety-ish, ninety eight, two bucks. Yep. Just shy of two dollars is 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 what I get if we, you know again, those are assumptions in there, but there's some reasonable assumptions, I think. And and that gets us just shy of two dollars uh, for that industry average cost. So you can imagine then that truckload might be a little bit lower than that, you know your your specialized are going to be a little bit higher than that. But what what's interesting
0: for fuel for this, uh, most companies, most carriers uh, or shippers rather have fuel surcharge programs, right? And uh, larger shippers anyway. So maybe the owner operators operating from mainly brokers have it differently. But for a lot of these carriers, it's like a buck twenty a gallon. Is uh, anything above that you pay it? five to six cents you get paid rather five to six cents for every every mile for depending on how the price goes so if the price of fuel goes up they don't end up paying it anyway right the shipper pays that so you the fuel piece is almost a a constant piece in there and i would imagine that larger fleets tend to be newer fleets and they tend to have better gas mileage because i know some carriers if they have the average fuel efficiency above six miles per gallon let's say or say it's up to seven, they're making money on the fuel surcharge, as opposed to those with older fleets, they're losing money on the fuel surcharge. Um, so that, that's another thing that comes in. So you think the $2 now is that we're talking
1: truckload here, I assume that, so that would be our overall industry average. So, uh, that'd be across LTL and specialized as well. That's, that's, Um, that's tough. That's tough to, to, to apples and oranges a little bit. It is. I mean, what we usually see. So the, the starting point, the starting point differs a bit. So we saw truckload carriers come in at about ten cents lower per mile uh, for that overall. Um, specialized were coming in maybe twenty cents higher. So uh, again, from that final, you know, estimation of right. a little under two dollars. You can imagine taking. Some off for truckload, yeah, right? right. Um, and adding a little bit on for you know flatbed, say. But now, what what do you what are you treating reefer, refrigerated, any kind of temp control? Do you call that specialized? We put that in specialized okay. um, for for the purposes of our. I mean, we have some areas of the report where we break out reefer separately, but but we tend to put that in specialized to get the truckload be a sort of pure. Yeah, right. right. so far as we can call anything pure. These days, uh, with with how much diversification is happening? Yeah, we do. Load. For the rate side, we do the modeling separately. When we
0: first started right. doing this, we do truckload and reefer in the same model and just have a flag that if it was reefer, there was an upcharge. But we found that uh, a lot of the real differences in pricing were the geographies differed because yeah. reefer operates on different different uh, networks.
1: A lot of that can depend on fleet size too. Uh, right small reefer fleets costs tend to look more like some of the other specialized sectors costs uh when 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 I see the cost data on my end. how so We just tend to see some higher costs on um uh really just kind of across the board um just slightly higher costs in in a lot of the cost centers insurance uh repair and maintenance. I, again, it's not it's not a huge difference, but the smaller ones we do see just sort of trending a little bit in that direction. Yeah. So an, another aspect that you talk about a little
0: bit, and you talk about the dwell time, and uh, you talked about it being a, a you know in terms of hours, and for uh, you found that for large fleets over a thousand trucks, that that it's about one and a half hours for dwell, and, and about two over two hours if you're less than twenty six. Can you tell us a little more about that? When you say dwell time, is that just looking at the amount of time at each stop or is that dwell time per day? What is that number?
1: Yeah, that's a per stop dwell time. And, uh, it doesn't distinguish between, you know, detention and, uh, you know, sort of standard, uh, dwell, uh, you know, operations that have to take place that, that take time. So, you know, there's, that number is never going to reach zero. It's not a detention measure. Uh, Right, right. But yeah, I mean, what we see is, you know, larger fleets, they have more ability to, um, you know, to negotiate basically over dwell times. They have more leverage uh, for shippers that are taking longer. And depending on, you know, the kind of fleet that you're talking about too, it is a per stop measurement. So, Fleets that are doing longer hauls will have sometimes longer dwell times in part because they're, you know, they're doing other things during that dwell. Okay. You know, obviously different operations between, you know, live on mode versus a drop, et cetera. That, I would figure that would be the biggest driver. I mean, we've done
0: studies up here at MIT looking at this and the dwell time. And, um, you know, there's a huge difference for drop and hook. It's, it's much, it's not zero. It's never zero, mm-hmm. right? but there's you have something like that, and that also ties into size of fleet. A lot of times, if you're an owner operator, unless there's a couple programs now, right, where there's power only, um, but those are still relatively rare. So you you you're restricted to live load, live unload for a lot of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. So you've got that skew based on fleet size, in addition to the leverage angle of it. To uh, obviously, this makes a big difference by sector. Uh, reefers have much higher average dwell time. LTL have much lower average dwell time.
0: Well, your dwell time for LTL, I just want to make sure, this isn't the pickup and delivery. This is the line haul, right? See, the dwell is weird, a little different for LTL because the line hauls are going you know within their own network. They're terminal to terminal. Are you counting dwell if I do pickups for every pickup and drop off? Pickups uh, should be included in that as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of... And I would assume, yeah, truckload probably has the least because for for LTL you're making so many more stops. You would right. assume. You would assume. Okay. Another way to think about this when we talk to carriers is they think about you know revenue per week because dwell time technically doesn't affect your costs. Technically, right? Because your miles, you're not. It's no cost per mile. Now yep. your cost per hour will go up right? because it's different in your activity based costing model that's it's driving that that level but there a lot of times they think about dollars per week they need to generate and so another way to generate what is the threshold what a carrier needs to do to survive for a for, for a driver is mm-hmm. you look at how many miles hours loads to do do you look at anything like that in a weekly bucket what what you need to cover that I guess that's more of a top line question than a
1: bottom line yeah you know we haven't we haven't done weekly metrics for that yet. That's, that's one thing that we've been looking at um, for including in the future. The, the trick is to try to not flood the report with too many different metrics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is always the interesting challenge. But the, the weekly one, like you say, has a lot of use in terms of just thinking of, of when that revenue is coming in. And, and then again, like you say, obviously, dwell time isn't going to impact per mile. But if you think about it at the hourly level, of course, then, sure. then it does. And, yeah. and so, you know, that, that's a matter of fleets using, using this data, essentially, where, you know, again, there are so many different ways to run a trucking company. That's one of the most exciting things about this industry. You could look at two fleets that have the same number of trucks that run the same exact lanes that have the, you know, that are carrying the same exact stuff and their structures could be as different as mars and venus you know yeah. and and uh trying to bring those costs again and that's where cost data and rate data are really different interesting ways but to... here's here's the thing so on the and this is a there's a myth i, I wrote a blog got years ago myth of the
0: market rate because a lot of people think you're on an auction to find the market rate and that everyone will end up paying that market rate if you look at lanes well there's two areas here one is uh, most shippers lanes don't overlap much. Um, you right. guys right. at the five to five digit or even the three to three, they just don't overlap that much. But if you look at some of those heavy lanes where you have many, many shippers on it, the prices that carriers are being paid very dramatically. And you can, we call it a blood splatter chart because you can see some that routing guide complies, they're very constant, but other ones are just all over the place. And so it's not, uh, there's a myth that going from Chicago to Atlanta,
1: there is a market rate and everyone pays that. And it's, it's so not true. And that's really one of the big things to, in a way, one of the surprises actually to, to one of your earlier questions. When I saw the 2022 data, I was surprised at how strong the average operating ratios were looking. I mean, the beginning of 2022 rates were, were better obviously than where it ended up. So, and that is an average. Fleets report their, their operating ratios to us in addition to their revenue. And so we work out a, Revenue per mile analysis as well, but again, the the lowest sector average we saw was refrigerated, um, which again you'd expect was at six percent on on average. And and again, you know, a fleet that is failing out of the market in November of 2022 is not sending us their their data in March of 2023. So you know, and you don't want that in a benchmarking report for for that matter. You don't want to benchmark yourself against a carrier that is about to disappear but nonetheless i i was pleasantly surprised at how how operating ratios were still holding up over the average of 22 and part of that is is exactly what you're saying where there are rates out there to be had where you know you can make margins even with high costs but but you do have to find them because there's no the average doesn't exist out there that you know that golden average is not you know, it's a figment of our computers. And, you know, obviously there are low rates out there too. So, you know, you raise an interesting point about
0: you don't have the benchmark data from the carriers that don't respond back. And those, a lot of, if they failed, for example, it's almost like there's a anecdote for World War Two where they're looking at planes that come back to England and they examine where the bullet holes were. And the problem is they weren't examining the ones that were shot down. Right. Okay. And so it's, it's a bias for that I mean, I'm trying to think if that causes a problem. I guess it doesn't because you want to know. I want to benchmark to to healthy carriers, right? right. I want to say this is what it takes to survive, not uh, that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, that, last question for you. Last question, and then I'll let you go. So you're finishing off your, your PhD at Rutgers and everything English, and now you're doing this. It's been, what, three years, four years almost? Yep. Um, what's the biggest surprise, your biggest takeaway, the thing that surprised you the most about the trucking industry? From when you got into this, because you don't, you didn't have a history of trucking
1: in your family or anything before this, right? I have some family members uh, oh, in do? my extended family who who are in the industry. Uh, bits and pieces, uh, not you know, not nuclear family members in the industry. Yeah, yeah. So I have always been interested in it. Okay, right. Okay. I I think to me the biggest surprise really was the sheer variety within the industry and again even within the sector you know pick whichever sector you want within whichever region whichever fleet size even within that the, the, the sheer variety of business models cost models is really striking and and like you were saying a little bit earlier there the barriers to entry are are so low it's hard to imagine that that long tail of small fleets ever disappearing right I, I think that really is also a marker of how much variety there is in the industry and how much opportunity there is for staking out a different a different model you know it it may make my job a little bit more complicated when I'm trying to look at your costs right right I uh, compare them to other people's but that to me is one of the really exciting and you know if we're thinking about innovation in the industry in a way I, I think that is a Innovative potential, at least it's you know potential for downsides too, but uh, I think it is ultimately a strength of the industry. Yeah, no, that's that's true. It's not you know a box on wheels. That's what they you talk about. But
0: the more you get into this, you more you find it's it's more interesting. I was at Gardner presenting for something, and I had an interview, and I was talking about why truckload is so interesting because I've been studying this from academic and and in in practice for thirty years now. And it's such an interesting market, and I'm only looking mainly at truckload. So if you look at even a larger variety, and even within just truckload, it's a, such a diverse group of of, uh, of carriers. That's a that's a really good point. All right, thanks a lot, Alex. I'll let you go. Thank you for joining me. I, I learned a lot, and I, uh, I I always look at the Aftery report when it comes out. It, it gives good insights, and it's a nice way to to benchmark. And hopefully, we, shippers can use it to see where a floor is and understand because no one wants to drive their carriers out of business. So this is a good, uh, good mechanism for them.
1: Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, appreciate it. Fan of the podcast. So it's uh, fun to be on it. All right. Okay, everyone, please stay tuned to hear the market update with Dr. Enam E.U.
2: Welcome to the Over the Road Truckload Market Update for August 24, 2023. In today's market update, we'll discuss the market changes in the last 2 weeks. Let's start with dry van. Active rates are down 2%, spot rates down half a percent, and replacement rates negative 7%. This means that the new contract rates are about 7% below the rates being replaced. On the temp control side, active rates are down 2% spot rates are up half a percent and replacement rates negative 5%. In a modal, active rates are down 1%, spot rates are down 5% and replacement rates flat. Finally, on the flatbed side, active rates are down 4%, spot rates down 2% and replacement rates negative 1%.
0: All right. So it seems like uh, Enom, the active rates are still falling. Well, what do you think is happening there?
2: Yeah, I think it, it's from an overall data perspective. It is continuing to drop. The rate of return, a uh, rate of drop, seems to be lessening over time, but it is still still dropping.
0: Yep, yeah. and the replacement rates are still, you know, single digits. Some, uh, you know, seven percent for drive van. Do you think that's going to continue, or do you think that's going to start uh, leveling out?
2: I think it'll level out. Last update we saw it being much smaller and we are seeing so I think it'll bounce around a little bit before it gets to a steady state on the on the low
0: end of the scale. And then talking about spot rates, it seems like they've been bouncing around. What are you seeing in the overall trend for spot rates? Yeah, it's been bouncing around but overall
2: we are seeing slight an increasing trend. So, it can be that the, the, the seasons are starting, uh, you know, the, the retail seasons are kind of starting. So, it could, could be a demand increase, but overall, we are seeing a slight increasing trend on the spot.
0: So, it seems like spot is increasing uh, and, uh, you know, active rates are, are decreasing, but uh, at a slightly faster rate. So, what is this doing to the gap between spot and contract? Are we still in, in an inverted market? And what does that gap look like?
2: Yeah, so we're still in the inverted market. And however, the gap is, like you said, the contract still dropping and the spot is increasing. Uh, therefore, currently what we are seeing is on the drive end side, we are seeing uh, the gap being $0.28. Cents. So in other words, spot is on average $0.28 cents lower than the contract. And REFA is uh, $0.33, cents, uh, spot being lower than contract. So it has reduced. We were in the 40s for the longest time. And we are now starting to, you know, get to those uh, 20s, tw- high twenties to low thirties. So it seems like it's
0: starting to close. But do you think it's imminent? Or when do you think that it'll actually go where it'll flip back? Do you think that's going to happen in Q four? Do you think it's going to be in uh, the new year? Uh, I would say maybe new year because it's we're be already in
2: the in you know getting to the end of uh, third quarter. I would say fourth quarter. I know we keep pushing this now. But it seems like right. uh, it seems like fourth quarter or the first quarter next year uh, seems like what what it's going to be but if this spot increasing trend continues I think then you know it becomes steady then we would we will be able to have a better understanding yeah. of what it's going
0: yeah we'll see how much of the capacity is left because a lot of capacity has left the market we'll see but unfortunately demand has been dropping falling as much as capacity so until Demand picks up. It's going to be. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We're keeping our eyes open. Uh, Last question: Fuel. We've had a little bit of a bump lately. So, what what impact is that?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, we are seeing a month over month. uh, We are seeing about a fifty three cents increase in the per gallon price, uh, which is um, you know uh, we went currently we are paying about fifty three cents per mile on fuel surcharge. It's still lower than a year ago, but compared to you know a few months ago it it is way up.
0: Yeah, that's uh that that that'll take a big hit to the shippers. Carriers can pass most of that on, except for the small ones in the spot market. But yeah, that'll have a big impact on some shipper budgets. All right. Any any last words, Eno? No, I think now it's it's
2: uh, again it's the RFP season mostly for shippers. So I must, I'm I'm Seeing that the shippers are continuing to you know dial the routing guides uh, you know to align with uh, expecting tighter markets. All right. All right, well that
0: concludes this week's truckle market update. Thanks, Enam. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Freight Find. The Freight Find podcast is hosted by Dr. Enam Ayub and myself, Chris Kaplas, and is produced and edited by DATIQ. For more information or to hear previous episodes, please visit our website at dat.com slash podcasts. You can subscribe to The Freight Find wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. As always, if you have any feedback or questions about what you've heard on The Freight Find or suggestions for what you'd like to hear in the future, send an email to me at chris.capless at dat.com. Finally, from all of us at The Freight Find, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new.